Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for this opportunity to come to your word. We acknowledge it's your word, not ours. And Lord, I pray in Jesus' name that you would inspire me today, Lord, that it would be your voice that speaks and only your voice, Lord God. Just take this preparation, take this that's been put down on paper, Lord God, and take it and use it for the building of your kingdom in Jesus' name. Empty me, Lord God, and fill me with your Holy Spirit. In the name of Jesus, Lord God, I thank you that we can trust you because you are faithful and you cannot you cannot deny yourself, your own character you're a merciful God, you're a gracious God and you have a word for this particular time and this particular fellowship here in New Beginnings that you're building, thank you God for it I pray Lord God that you would speak today in a powerful way amongst us in Jesus name and for your glory we ask it, Amen, Amen. Looking back we can see many things can't we many things sometimes that were good <laughs> Some good times, happy times. Do you remember that, Mavis? You were on your game, totally. Oh and uh, this was the this was the fun day, a couple of years ago. First fun day we did out in the out in the open streets in Moodysburn, and uh, a number of us were out there. Some good times. You look back and you remember the good times, don't you? And then you, you look back and maybe sometimes you're you're thinking about the not so good things, the things that maybe caused you a wee bit of a problem, like that one. <laughs> uh, Bill, <laughs> just something that maybe when you look back in it brings a headache to your head. You know, just something that troubles you slightly. And you know, sometimes when we've been working at something, we've been working hard at something for a long, long time, we just wonder if the work that we're doing, if the work that we're doing is actually bringing about some results. You know when you're the gaffer of a building project in this that state of that place, what do you do? And uh, you're working hard. You go to sleep. And then you're working hard. You're serving coffee. You're serving food. You're working hard. You're doing this all voluntary. You tend to wonder, just what is the result of these things? What are the things that are happening? What's going on? Working hard. Stressed out. Stressed out. <laughs> but still with a smile on the face. <laughs> Working hard. Serving lovely ice cream and eating some while we go. We wonder what the end result might be. Don't we? Maybe after a year. Maybe just wonder what might be what might be the end product, what good might come out of that work. Sometimes we even wonder if that building project will ever be finished. And praise God it did finish. Over la- last week we started a series called uh, It's Time to Rebuild from the book of Haggai. And if you want to turn to it, it's in the last three books uh, of your Old Testament. Just turn across to it. All the verses today will be in the, from the NIV. Uh, and it will be on the screen. You don't have to look up to it, but if you want to, feel free to do that. Last week... Week one was called Putting God First. Well said, Rudy. The year was 520 BC and it was a year of crisis for Jerusalem. The Jewish people had returned from Babylon. They'd hoped for really good times, joyful times, but instead of good times they experienced year after year of drought and, and shortage and famine. There was a food shortage and the poverty was hitting them really hard. The effect of this was they just lost their heart. Just lost the heart to serve the Lord. 
and the work that was the rebuilding of the temple, which was the important project, the work of rebuilding the temple had been put on hold, it had been put to one side. And this had been the case for 16 years since they had first laid the foundation. There was, this project was far from finished. And there was kind of two types of people here. Uh, there was the, the young who maybe couldn't remember that what lay before and what the old days were. And you had the, maybe the older people who remembered the old temple in all of its glory. This was the kind of context. And as we get to Haggai, Haggai was a prophet. And he was well known in the community. And we spoke about this last week, that a prophet was inspired directly from God. And his words were not his own words. His words came directly to the people from the Lord, untouched. It's very important to remember that as we look through this, uh, this message that it's directly from the Lord. So Haggai knew that for this generation, the priority must be putting God first in the rebuilding of the temple. And he called them in chapter 1 to give careful thought to their ways, to look at their priorities because they were mixed up. They were looking after their own houses. Some of them were quite luxurious as well. And they were all completed and they were living in them. And while it's not a wrong thing to have a nice house or nice things or to look after your family in those ways, it's not a a, a wrong thing. The problem here was that for 16 years God's work had been put to one side. There was a clash of priorities. They were not putting God first. But praise the Lord, when this tough message came to this people... They responded positively. They responded in obedience. And they responded immediately. And we saw that last week. They committed themselves in heart to obey the Lord. And they committed themselves in action. And the rebuilding began. Isn't that good? Isn't that good? Sometimes you get a word of prophecy and the people don't respond. In this particular one, the remnant of the Lord's people had a good change of heart. They were obedient to the Lord and responded correctly. So... This week is called The Glory of the New House. Let's turn to uh, Haggai chapter 2, verses 1 to 9. On the 21st day of the seventh month, the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai. Speak to Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, to Joshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and to the remnant of the people. Ask them, who of you is left who saw this house in its former glory? How does it look to you now? Does it seem to you like nothing? But now be strong, Zerubbabel, declares the Lord. Be strong, O Joshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest. Be strong, all you people of the land, declares the Lord, and work. For I am with you, declares the Lord Almighty. This is what I covenanted with you when you came out of Egypt, and my spirit remains among you. Do not fear. This is what the Lord Almighty says. In a little while I will once more shake the heavens and the earth, the sea and the dry land. I will shake all nations, and the desire of all nations will come. And I will fill this house with glory, says the Lord Almighty. The silver is mine, and the gold is mine, declares the Lord Almighty. The glory of this present house will be greater than the glory of the former house, says the Lord Almighty. And in this place I will grant peace, declares the Lord Almighty. The glory 
of the new house. You see, something here is highlighted in this passage that was still hindering the work of rebuilding the new temple. Did you notice it? The people were looking back instead of looking ahead. It says there in verse 3, Who of you is left who saw this house in its former glory? How does it look to you now? Does it seem to you like nothing? You know how easy it is sometimes just to look back instead of looking ahead. The people had now been working hard for about seven weeks and Haggai had spoke this second message from the Lord. And praise the Lord that the work had begun. That was really, really good. They were now putting God first. This was a very important step of obedience by God's people. But what was happening now? It was October 21st, the last day of what was called the Feast of the Tabernacles. This particular feast was supposed to be a joyous occasion. A time of giving thanks to God for his great provision and his faithfulness. This was at the very end of the harvest season this festival would take place. But these people were not joyful. They were getting discouraged. Some of them were actually weeping. Why was this? Well, they were looking back at the recent years of poverty, those recent few years of drought and famine. And they were no doubt feeling a bit sorry for themselves, as we do when we go through difficult times, don't we? I know I do. But an important point we saw last week from chapter 1 was, it was due to the people's disobedience to God that the things had happened in the first place. Now this doesn't mean that every trial we go through is sent from God, but this particular trial, at that particular time, the drought and the famine was at God's hand because they were disobeying him. They hadn't put God first. But they were looking back now at this festival and thinking, this is a time of harvest. We're supposed to be, traditionally this was a time of rejoicing at the great harvest we've come in. And this year again, there's nothing. There's just nothing to show for all of our hard work. And they're lamenting over that, feeling sorry for themselves, not praising the Lord properly. Secondly, there were some who were looking back, those who could remember, that were old enough to remember the great glory of the previous temple of the Lord. How great it had been. The older Israelites would have remembered those days and the splendour of the old temple. Some things that categorised the old temple. Gold-covered interior. A heavenly fire which characterised it. The Ark of the Covenant. The cherubim. The Shekinah glory of the Lord which all of which these things signified God's presence in their midst. And then they remembered the day watching Nebuchadnezzar, King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon burning it to the ground in 586 BC. How disheartened they would have been looking back to the old times, to what had been destroyed. And this new temple that they are now putting their hard work to didn't have those wonderful things, those outward things. There was no ark, there was no gold furnishings, there was no carved cherubim, there was no Shekinah glory. There was a lack of good materials around them to build with. There was a lack of progress. There was a lack of money. And there was a big opposition coming from all around them. They had enemies all around that were totally opposed to what they were doing and coming against them. So these older people, instead of rejoicing that at least there's a revival happening in this people, what was the revival? They were obedient to the Lord. That was the revival. 
the people started to work, obey the Lord, put him first. But still they looked back and they thought, this just isn't the same. And they began to weep. In the eyes of the older people, this new temple just looked like nothing. It looked like a big zero. So discouragement was setting in. And this work that had just started was impossible danger of stopping again. So what does God say to them? He says, does this seem to you like nothing? The prophet Zechariah was a contemporary of Haggai. He was also a prophet and his word from the Lord was spoken to the exact same people as we're talking about here during the same time, during the exact same rebuilding of the temple. I'm going to turn to it because I feel it's relevant. Zechariah chapter 4, 6 to 10. And remember Zerubbabel was the governor and uh, Joshua was the high priest. These are these two characters that the word of the Lord, they represented the people and they were involved in this whole project of rebuilding the temple and leading the people. So the word that is coming is directly to them in, in all these cases. This is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel. Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord Almighty. What are you, almighty mountain? Before Zerubbabel, you will become level ground. Then he will bring out the capstone to shouts of God bless it. God bless it. Then the word of the Lord came to me. The hands of Zerubbabel have laid the foundation of this temple. His hands will also complete it. Then you will know that the Lord Almighty has sent me to you. Who despises the day of small things? Men will rejoice when they see the plumb line in the hand of Zerubbabel. Oh yes, you see, the temple was going to be completed, praise the Lord. But it was not going to be completed because of human strength. Nor by human power. But by my spirit, says the Lord Almighty. Although the people were now moving in obedience and putting their hands to the work, it was only God's spirit that was going to accomplish the work. Praise the Lord. Isn't that really encouraging? This great God of creation we heard about on Wednesday night who spoke the word and the whole universe became into being. This is the God we are talking about. The only God speaks and things happen. Only he can complete this work. One commentator says this, was such an intervention like this needed in order to complete the building of this temple? Yes, because the work and the way that the work was done and the provision of the material resources as well as the finished building were all a witness to God, the Lord of hosts. Only if his spirit, spirit covers in every detail can service be glorifying to him. You know, we can be working at things and it's not glorifying to God. And remember that from chapter 1, and I'm speaking to myself here, I'm not speaking just at you. We can work for God and it can be in vain, because we're just doing the work. We're not doing it in a god honoring way, we're not putting God first in various aspects of our lives. Now God is gracious and he's faithful and he'll forgive us for our sins and he'll use the broken jars of clay that we are. Praise the Lord for that. But it's only God that can make it happen. He's got to be glorified in the work. He needs to be glorified for it to be a true work of God. 
Now does this remind you of any local projects? Surely as a fellowship here at New Beginnings we can testify to the truth of this word. Look what God has done here in Moody'sburn. You know, since before the church started in Moody'sburn, this passage from Zechariah has always been in my heart. I just knew in my heart that God was going to do something here in Moody'sburn and that this thing that was going to happen, the only explanation for it would be that God had done it. And you get what I'm saying there? I really felt clearly that the work that was going to happen here, there would be no other explanation for what happened here other than it was God that did it. Because he must get the glory. And I believe where we fell down as Christians and as a church in Scotland is we don't give them the glory. Men take the glory. Ladies take the glory. God doesn't get it. But he deserves all the praise and all the glory. And he can show himself strong in every circumstance. So that it's clear. Look what God has done. God is to be praised. And when we serve him, put him first, our work glorifies him. Gives him glory. When people look at the work that we do for him, it gives God glory. The quality of the work we do gives God glory. Did you notice that? The comments in the coffee shop time and time again is, this is too good for Moody's Burn. Is it? It's for God we serve. We serve God and for the benefit of the community. It's got to be excellent. It's got to be the best. And when it is the best and it is excellent and our work is good, it gives glory to God. Oh mighty mountain. <laughs> it says, What are you, oh mighty mountain? Before Zerubbabel, you will become level ground. This mountain it speaks of here represents an obstacle in the way of accomplishing a task. This included the practical difficulties that were in the way from the clearing of the ground and the rubble for the foundation work onwards. But it also represents the opposition that people faced from their enemies, from those that were against the work and came against them in various ways. O mighty mountain, Jesus said this to his disciples, I tell you the truth, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. Matthew 17.20 O mighty mountain, you are nothing. You are nothing to God. And did you notice there in Jesus' words, it's when we respond in faith. What's faith? Trusting in God. Trusting in his power. Believing that God is the one who can move mountains, not us. He does it. You will become level ground. Level ground. A straight pathway through the middle where it seemed impossible. Almighty mountain. Again, can we not testify to that truth here in Moody's Burn? What obstacles has the Lord dealt with? 
what mountains of difficulty maybe in our own lives, in our community in practical aspects, finances what mountains of difficulty has the Lord overcome as we were working and continually praying for God's intervention how many times has God accomplished the impossible too many times to count you know, Bill once said to me, he had got this hat and it says gather. And in the back it said Bill in control. And Bill thought about that cap and he, he's always said since then, you know, it's not Bill in control, it's God in control. It's putting God first. He is the one we rely on. He's the one that will overcome the seemingly impossible. Praise the Lord, for nothing is impossible with God. Nothing is too difficult with them. And of course, as you know, the charity name on the, on the front of the coffee house is Nothing is Impossible Ministries. Now for the cornerstone. It says here, Then he will bring out the capstone to shouts of God bless it. God bless it. The capstone or top stone or headstone is used here to draw attention to the most important stone the completion stone this wasn't maybe something that was traditional at the time but this is no traditional building this is God's temple the headstone, the completion stone there was to be great rejoicing and celebration when this house was completed what were they going to be saying and praising God they were going to be saying God bless it God bless it, celebrating the completion of the temple and most importantly Celebrating the grace, the blessing and the provision of God that he has shown in all of the, this coming, to, coming together. And the grace and provision that he continues to show. The day of small things. There's this interesting statement there in verse 10. It says, there, who despise the day of small things? In the New Living Translation it says, Do not despise these small beginnings, for the Lord rejoices to see the work begin. Is this not a relevant word to this people? A small group of people with an impossible task ahead of them, with limited resources. You know, we started the church here and it's called New Beginnings. But sometimes we despise those small beginnings and we think, there's not a lot. Maybe it should be bigger than it is now. But God doesn't despise small beginnings. He looks for reality. Reality of praise to him. Reality of putting him first. Reality of hon- honesty in his house. I mean, I know I've failed many, many times, and I do continually. But we need to be honest before each other and before God and not put on the mask in church or anywhere else. When he finds the people that are being real and responding in obedience, it's not a small thing. That's not a small thing. Zechariah, like Haggai, is suggesting that the people were looking at the smallness of the work and they were despising it as small, thinking that it wouldn't amount to anything. How wrong were the people? How wrong? You know, the only thing that was too small in this situation was the faith of the, of the people there. Let's turn back to Haggai chapter 2 verses 4 to 5. Lord says this, But now be strong, O Zerubbabel, declares the Lord. Be strong, O Joshua, son of Jehoshadak the high priest. 
Be strong, all you people of the land, declares the Lord. And work, for I am with you, declares the Lord Almighty. This is what I covenanted with you when you came out of Egypt, and my spirit remains among you. Do not fear. And now here are some great words of encouragement from the Lord. He says, be strong. And that statement is repeated a number of times. And we know in the Bible when things are repeated, it's so that we notice them. Be strong. And how are we to be strong? He says, for I am with you. We're only strong in as much as the Lord is with us. Isn't that true? Isn't that true? And then he says, I covenanted with you. You know that word, covenant. Our God is a promise keeping God. Doesn't change his promises. Regardless of our behaviour, the nonsense that we do, our changed priorities, our fickleness, our ups and downs. God is faithful and he never changes. It's part of his character. Praise the Lord. And he says this, he says, my spirit remains among you representation of his power, the spirit he says do not be afraid you know, sometimes we can be looking back and even here in Moody'sburn let's just reflect on that God has accomplished great things but you can look forward and there can be fear God says do not be afraid I am with you, my spirit remains among you so the Israelites were given these great words of encouragement from God, great promises and great power and provision from God then in verses 6 to 9 we read this. This is what the Lord Almighty says. In a little while I will once more shake the heavens and the earth, the sea and the dry land. I will shake all nations and the desire of all nations will come. And I will fill this house with glory, says the Lord Almighty. The silver is mine and the gold is mine, declares the Lord Almighty. The glory of this present house will be greater than the glory of the former house, says the Lord Almighty. And in this place I will grant peace, declares the Lord Almighty. There's this statement here that says, I will once more shake the heavens and the earth. Now there are many interpretations of that particular verse and to what it means. And I'm not going to get into every one of those interpretations today. That's for another time. But I'd like just to read from Hebrews in the New Testament where these verses are quoted directly and they're applied to the New Testament church, which goes on to include us. In Hebrews 12, 27-29 says this, the words once more indicate the removing of what can be shaken, that is the created things, so that what cannot be shaken may remain. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful and so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. There is going to be a day when the Lord is going to return. Jesus is coming back. And the Bible teaches that everything that can be shaken in the world will be shaken. But one thing (laughs) one thing remains standing. The kingdom of God. The kingdom of God. The church of Jesus Christ remains standing. Praise the Lord. And you know we live in a very uncertain world and many people believe we're we're living in the end times. We don't need to get into that. 
The Bible says no one knows the hour of the time. But we know the world has been shaken. It can be a fearful place to stay in the world right now. A fearful place to bring up children. But know this, the kingdom of God stands forever. We don't have hopelessness like the world has. We know even if this world gets wrapped up to the end of time, there's a new heaven and a new earth coming. And our Lord will reign And we will reign with him as believers in Jesus Christ. This is the hope of the church. The kingdom of God that cannot be shaken. It lasts forever. If you don't know that today, let me suggest you need to know that. And you need to receive the Lord Jesus as your saviour. So that you can say you know that. And you see, God owns everything. Just because he's God. He created everything. And he is the owner. He says verse 8. The silver is mine. And the gold is mine. And the best is yet to come. He says the glory of this present house will be greater than the glory of the former house. This was a word of encouragement to the Israelite people of that day. But it's also a great encouragement to us today, isn't it? The best is even yet to come, even now. And he says, he closes there, the word says, Shalom. This word Shalom is a Hebrew word meaning peace, completeness, finished. And in this place, I will grant peace. Now for those of us who know, Jesus came to this earth, lived a perfect life, died on a cross, and the reason he died on a cross was for each and every one of our sins that separate us from God. And in a sense, the peace from God was entering. We we were able, when we respond in faith to that, when we trust in Christ and we confess our sins, we enter into a relationship of peace with God. Yeah, but there's also a look forward to a new heaven and a new earth and in this place he says I will grant peace you know that's what the world's looking for isn't it politicians are negotiating for it but God's word said God will do it there will be a day in a new heaven and a new earth and God's kingdom and people will be there and there will be great peace So you're probably saying, that's all really good. But this particular message was spoken to the Israelites in Old Testament times. Yes, you're right about that. But that wasn't the end of the story. Let's read some New Testament scriptures. Uh, This is from 1 Peter 2, verses 4 to 7. You're coming to Christ, who is the living cornerstone of God's temple. He was rejected by people, but he was chosen by God for great honour. And you are living stones that God is building into his spiritual temple. What's more, you are holy priests. Through the mediation of Jesus Christ, you offer spiritual sacrifices that please God. As the scriptures say, I am placing a cornerstone in Jerusalem, chosen for great honour. And anyone who trusts in him will never be disgraced. 
Yet you who trust him recognize the honor God has given him. But for those who reject him, the stone that the builders rejected has now become the cornerstone. Living stones. It says here, we're living stones. That God is building into a spiritual temple. This is New Testament teaching. Can you see the parallel? In the New Testament, Christ's work opens the opportunity to enter into that spiritual temple. Ephesians 2, 19-22 A temple for the Lord. So now you Gentiles that's us by the way <laughs> so now you Gentiles are no longer strangers and foreigners. You are citizens along with all of God's holy people. I feel like jumping up and down when I read that. <clears throat> you are members of God's family. Together we are his house built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets and the cornerstone is Christ Jesus himself we are carefully joined together in him becoming a holy temple for the Lord through him you Gentiles are also being made part of this dwelling where God lives by his spirit this is a house that's not made with human hands this is a people who put aside prejudices who put aside denominations and differences and are built together as living stones in God's temple let's look at those verses again and look at something else in them did you notice it? the cornerstone the cornerstone the cornerstone of this temple is Jesus Christ <laughs> You're coming to Christ, who is the living cornerstone of God's temple. This is the focus. The head. The head of the church. The head of God's people. And the cornerstone is Christ Jesus himself. The cornerstone of this temple is Jesus Christ, who is God's son. He's our saviour. He's the lamb of God. He's the lion of Judah. He's the Word. He's the King of Kings. He's the Lord of Lords. He's the King of Glory. He's the name above every name. Jesus. Jesus. Yes, this is a house that's not made with human hands. But it's been established by our Lord Jesus Christ. When he died for our sins and rose again to offer forgiveness, a new life and an eternity in heaven for everyone who would believe in him. This is the church of Jesus Christ. And the Bible teaches that the Holy Spirit dwells within believers. Colossians says, Christ in you, the hope of glory. And you read the, it says there in Ephesians 2.22 Through him you Gentiles are also being made part of this dwelling where God lives by his Spirit. Remember there in Haggai when it says, For I am with you 
My spirit remains among you. The promise to every believer in Jesus Christ is the receiving of God's Holy Spirit. The seal of our, of our salvation. Evidence of new life. And the thing that unites the body of Christ together. The Holy Spirit dwells in believers. He dwells in you and he dwells in me if we are true believers in Jesus Christ. And we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. We're living stones. And he's, God's constantly working on us, isn't he? He's constantly working on us. This word glory, you know, it just means splendor. We've been talking about a lot. It talks about honour, praise, something that's just magnificent. Beyond words almost, that word glory would refer to. And we ourselves, the Bible teaches that he's the most glorious and we are being transformed from glory to glory. That as God works in us as living stones and as believers, his spirit works in us, we become more and more of a reflection of him and his glory is displayed more and more until that great day where we receive new bodies. There's a new heaven and a new earth and all is glorious. <laughs> the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, a shout of victory, joy and triumph. The final day when all his children will be gathered to him again. Jesus is coming back again. Do you believe this? Do you believe this? Jesus will never fail you. Jesus will never forsake you. And what incredible glory there's going to be in heaven. In Revelation 21 we read something about the beauty of this new house God is building. In verses 1 to 3 we read, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Now this dwelling of God is with men, and he will live with them. You know the Bible teaches in heaven, there's no more sorrow. There's no more tears. There's no more suffering. There's no more pain. There's no more illness. There's no more death. In John 7 and 7, on the same feast of the tabernacles, the same feast in the New Testament, John 7 7, Jesus says this If any man thirsts, let him come to me. Have you ever came to Jesus like that? He doesn't turn us away when we come to him. His arms are always open. And it's never too late. So if you've never taken the step or you're not sure, you don't have this insurance in your heart that you're going to heaven, that you're going to experience this kingdom of heaven because of Jesus. If you don't know that, you can take that step of faith today. You need to believe in Jesus as your saviour. Jesus is God's son. He died for us on the cross, taking our sins upon himself. Then when he rose again, he defeated the power of sin and the grave. And he did this so that we can be brought back into right relationship with God. We can't pay the price ourselves. Jesus' perfect life and sacrifice was the only thing that could pay that price. But we must respond in faith and by seeking forgiveness for all of our sins. And if we confess our sins to him, the Bible says he is faithful and he is just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. No matter what we've done, no matter how bad we messed up, 
if we confess our sins to God, He will forgive us. And we will share in this kingdom, in this glorious kingdom. Do you know in New Beginnings, in the church you're in, wherever it is, you're in this glory, you receive Jesus, you become part of this glorious new house, the building, the temple of the Lord Jesus Christ, where Jesus is the headstone, the cornerstone. And we look forward to the new heaven, new earth. Praise the Lord. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your word to us today. I just pray, Lord, that nobody would leave here today without knowing for sure in their heart that they've received you as Saviour in Jesus' name. And Lord, I just pray for those of us who are believers here today who are just a wee bit discouraged, just can't quite stop ourselves from looking back the way and feeling down. I just pray, Lord God, that you would move in power today. And teach us from your word, Lord God, and speak to us through your Holy Spirit. We do thank you for all that you are doing in our own lives personally and in the lives of this church and in Moody'sburn here, Lord. We acknowledge that this is your work. And Jesus, you are the cornerstone of it. We thank you, we praise you for all that you're doing. And Lord, we look forward to the day we are here in Moody'sburn. We will see the growth of the living stones coming together as people come to faith. And Lord, we know you're going to do a great thing here. We thank you for the provision of the coffee house, for the provision of the other area in the building, for every miracle that you have accomplished in our own personal lives and in the work together as a fellowship. Lord, would you help us just to follow you, to listen to your word, and to rely on your power. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen.